My name is Ryan Nixon, and I am a believer in Jesus Christ. I have new life in Christ. I'm still learning this thing, Sierra. I have new life in Christ, and I'm recovering from pride, lust, worshiping what other people think of me, and recently trying to find comfort in food. Hey, guys. So glad to be here. Wait, we're in this series called For, uh, True Love. And, and speaking of that, it, kind of around this month of love, it's Valentine's Day, so happy Valentine's Day to y'all. And I know for some of us, it's like, man, I love Valentine's, I'm enjoying it. And some, it's like, man, that's just not my holiday right now. And uh, we get that. And here's one of the things I want you to know, no matter where you are on that spectrum, like you are loved here. You are loved by God and you're loved by this family. And like, we're so glad you're here with us tonight. Um, and so last week, Bryce was talking about this phileo love that we're, to, we're able to experience which is this fond affection and this liking of someone that you find in deep friendship. I mean, tonight we're gonna talk about a love that God has created for us to enjoy in this life. Uh, But for many of us, I know for me, it's a love that's been distorted and has brought a lot of pain and shame and guilt um, in my lives and the lives of many others. And so the love that we're gonna talk about is eros. And so this love is the word, the word is used to express sexual love or feelings of arousal that are shared between people. It's where the word, we get the word um, erotic in the English language. Um, and this is the name of a Greek god of love and also for the Romans, they called him Cupid, which is another tip of the hat to Valentine's Day. Um, but as we think about this love, this erotic love, even though that word is kind of just twisted by culture, it's neutral. Like it is neither good nor bad in and of itself, but it's how we seek to pursue this type of love that determines if it's gonna be a glory to God and a good to us, or if it's gonna be something that's selfish um, and is hurtful to us and to others. And I want you to know, like there's no gray area with this love. It is either going to be God glorifying and life-giving to yourself and others, like how I described like what sexual intimacy is meant to be, or it's gonna be selfish um, and hurtful and take from yourself and also take from others, which I describe as sexual sin. And so let's start off like talking about how did God design this love to be enjoyed by his creation? Because like this eros, this um, sexual love um, is not an idea of the enemy. Um, It's not, Sinful in itself, it's a gift from God who wants his creation, his children, to enjoy this life to the fullest. Um, And he created this type of love with a specific purpose and also place. All right, and so there's three purposes. There might be more, but there's three main purposes that God created this love for his creation to enjoy. It's pleasure, procreation, and connection. Pleasure, procreation, and connection. And I'm just gonna run through these quickly. Um, but as we think about like pleasure, like God invented pleasure. Like he is the one who created it. This is not a creation of the enemy. In Proverbs, all throughout the scriptures, God not only commands it, but he celebrates it in the life of his children. Proverbs 5 says, rejoice, rejoice in the wife of your youth. Always be intoxicated by her love. 1 Corinthians 7 commands that sex and marriage should be frequent and generous and mutual. And in Song of Solomon 5, um, God is is like cheering them on. He says, I want you to eat and drink and have your fill. 
Like the God of the universe created this and is cheering us on saying, hey, I want you to enjoy this. Um, and it's actually this pleasure that helps us as humanity like fulfill that second purpose, which is really God's first commandment to his children. Um, in Genesis 1.28, uh, God says, be fruitful and multiply. Like God wants us to enjoy sexual intimacy so that we would fill the earth. And in filling it, like people who are image bearers of him would go all throughout the earth um, and kind of help set up his kingdom on this earth as it's to be in heaven. And so like he wants us to enjoy it. And the last one is connection. Like, and I believe this is the primary purpose for sexual intimacy. Because in sexual intimacy, we are to experience this physical, emotional, and relational connection that the Bible describes as oneness. And back in, in the garden, in Genesis, in Genesis chapter two, it says, therefore a man shall leave his father and mother and they should be united as husband and wife and the two shall become one flesh. And that's not just physically in sexual intimacy, but it is like their bodies are to become one. And that's why God also says, hey, what God has joined together, let not man separate. But as we think about those purposes, there's a specific place that God said, hey, this is the only place this love is meant to be expressed. And that's in marriage. And that's why even in the Song of Solomon, when the two lovers are talking about how their love for one another is growing and growing, at different times throughout the book, they tell one another, say, hey, do not awaken love. Do not awaken eros before the time before the time that we marry and we can rightfully enjoy this. And so the place that God has created for us to enjoy this type of love is in a biblical marriage. It's only in this lifelong covenant commitment between one man and one woman that we're able to enjoy this type of love. Um, and even in marriage, this type of love is not, meant, is not able to be fully enjoyed unless it's combined with the other three loves that we're talking about this month where there is this selfless, sacrificial, others-focused, like liking and deep friendship that is able to express the true meaning of this love. And so as I think about that purpose in this place and then going into kind of where has it been distorted in our lives, um, I know that in this room, some of y'all are married. I know that in this room, some of you um, have been married and are divorced. Some are single and, and may never get married. And here's what I want you to know, like one, as we talk about this, sometimes it can be like, hey, that, that's a hard truth to kind of think about right now. But I want you to know, God wants all of us to know how is this life meant to be lived and, and know that God is a God who's not trying to take from any of us, but he's trying to set us free and help us enjoy this life to the fullest. Um, and then for those um, who are married, like God wants you to enjoy this, but it has to be combined with those other sacrificial loves. And so we also have to think through, hey, how might I be distorting this even in my own marriage? And as I think about like this idea of pleasure and, and all of us wanting to enjoy life to the fullest, like God tells us in Psalm 1611, to say, in my presence is the fullness of joy and in my right hand are pleasures forevermore. And so there, even though in this life there might be things that it seems like, hey, I'm missing out on this or that, probably all of us at some point in life, there's gonna be something that it's like, hey, I'm missing out in this life. Um, God wants you to know, hey, he's wanting to fulfill you and to fill up your cup, even though it might look different than someone else's, to the full. And that in the life to come, the pleasures that we're gonna experience are gonna far outweigh anything that this earth can provide.
And then as I think about people who desire to be married, like today is the day to build patterns and habits in your life that are gonna help you enjoy life right now to the fullest and also enjoy life when you get married to the full as well. And so as I think about, now before going on to this idea of like how we've distorted it, I just want you to know like our God is amazing in his creation. And as we think about sexual intimacy um, and how it bonds us together, like science has kind of caught up to scriptures and this idea of, as it's in discovering of oxytocin, which is a drug that's released in your mind, in your brain, uh, when you orgasm. And that your brain says, hey, I like this feeling. I wanna continue to enjoy this feeling. And if you think about God as the creator of everything, that when he created that, he meant for one man and one woman to experience that feeling with no one else but themselves. And if that were the case, for 50, 60, 70 years in marriage, you would look no other place to experience that joy except for in marriage. And then on the flip side, when we distort it and we try to find that joy and that pleasure in other places, that glue becomes less sticky and it causes problems for us in marriage and in the future. And also it causes problems for us right now. But even in the midst of that, God provides a way for restoration. And so as I think about just the way that, that I've distorted this and that we've distorted this, there's kind of three main areas that I think about. I mean, one is, um, you know, when it becomes sexual sin, it's because we're selfish and we seek to experience this type of pleasure um, in our thoughts, words, or actions um, in a way that's outside of biblical marriage. And so this could be through pornography or romance novels or fantasies, masturbation, or crossing physical boundaries with a boyfriend or girlfriend, um, whether it's, you know, with those of the opposite sex or the same sex. Like anytime we try to experience this with someone else, we're distorting it. And it brings a lot of shame and guilt and pain to our own lives. And then even in the midst of marriage, like if there's not this unconditional self-sacrificial um, love that's being extended towards one another, then you will either manipulate and use sex to get something that you're desiring, or you might manipulate other things to try to experience sexual intimacy. And again, that is also ways that we can distort this. And then the last one is that I know for some of you, um, this distortion has come through someone else's sexual abuse of you. And I want you to know that if that's a part of your story, you're not alone. It's not your fault. Um, and God wants you to experience healing and hope through the gospel, his word, his spirit, and his people. And there's lots of ways to experience that restoration, but, but two that I wanna point out um, are here at Watermark on Monday nights. And so if that's a part of your story and you're, you're a guy, there's a ministry called MEND, and we'd love to help connect you with that ministry and with leaders that are in that ministry. And if that's part of your story and you're a female, um, there's a ministry called Courageous Hope. And it'd be a safe place for you to take steps towards healing. And as I think about those three things, like I want you to know like all three of those distortions are a part of my story. At an early age, um, sexual abuse was a part of my story. Uh, and then a little bit later, I was introduced to pornography. And that began a 20-year addiction to lust, masturbation, um, and, and looking at porn. And then as I entered into high school and into college, that, that bled into inappropriate relationships with the girls uh, to where I know that there was ways that I hurt other people. Um, there was ways that I was hurt. And all throughout all of that, there was so much shame and guilt because I was a believer in Jesus Christ. And there's so many times that I'd make a poor decision and I would beg God to take it away and beg God to to point me a different direction. 
but I just find myself the next day or a week later or a month later continuing to make poor decisions. And then I move into a place of uh, getting married to the love of my life, to my sweet bride. Um, But one of the things that I did is I brought that addiction to pornography into my marriage. And even though I was in full-time ministry and people thought that we had a marriage that was worth modeling after and that I was someone worth following, um, I was lying about this addiction to my wife, um, to my community group. I was here in authentic community here at Watermark, um, to the ministry that I was a part of. Um, and, I, and I brought a lot of destruction and pain into my marriage. But I'm so thankful for God's spirit because the spirit of the Lord, um, just four years into marriage, was heavy upon me. Um, and my bones began to waste away like in the heat of the summer. And then through that, God's spirit led me to confess to my wife and to my community group. Um, and I began to take steps to my own restoration, which included a recovery ministry here on Monday nights. Um, and I remember walking through those doors and I wanted to make sure that everyone else didn't think that I was here for something else and also really didn't want them to know that I was here. But as I take, took one faithful step after the next, I began to experience a renewal in my relationship with Christ as my identity with Christ and my trust in the gospel began to solidify in where God wanted to be. And then also I had to take needed steps and boundaries in my life to kind of keep me from continuing to make poor decisions, like getting rid of internet access and getting rid of my smartphone uh, so that I could experience freedom and healing. And then through there, there was also a season of trying to build restoration um, with my wife and the broken trust that we've experienced um, through the sexual sin and the lying that I brought into our relationship. But I just want you to know, like, God is faithful and God has helped me experience healing and hope because of the gospel, because of God's word, because of God's spirit, and because of this family of believers along with my community group. And that not only is, is hope for restoration and healing possible for me, but it's also possible for you. And then my wife and I, through our community group and through reengage and other areas, like we experience restoration and healing in our marriage as well. And I know that God that wants that for all of us. And so as I think about like a path forward of restoration, of what does it look like for, for you and me to experience restoration, uh, a passage of scripture that just came to mind, and I was like, yeah, like this is what we need to do. This is what I need to do. And not just what I needed to do over a decade ago, but what I need to do today. It's 2 Timothy 2.22. And it says, flee youthful passions and pursue righteousness, faith, love and peace along with those who call upon the Lord from a pure heart. It's like God's word calls us. He says, hey, flee and fight temptation. And we do that through confession, through shining lights on it, um, through taking off the old self, putting to death the flesh. And then it says, like, pursue righteousness, faith, love, and peace. And we do that by abiding in God's word, by getting to know him through the scriptures, by depending upon the spirit, by walking by the spirit. And they were called to do that alongside of others as well. And I just want you to know, like, that's what you're going to experience here at Regeneration. You're going to experience a call and also a help to flee whatever it is you're trying to run away from and to pursue Christ alongside of others. And it's through those steps that we're able to experience hope. And then there's two more scriptures that were so monumental to me and my recovery um, that I want to share those with you as well. Um, and the first one, I'm going to kind of summarize, it is Matthew chapter 5, 
Um, and it just talks about, like, if you look at a, lust, at a woman with lust, you've committed adultery in your heart. But there's something after that I think is so key for all of us in our fight against sexual sin and really any sin. Is Jesus kind of gives us a command of, hey, if there's something that's leading to death in your life, you need to cut it out. You need to get rid of it. And so I think as you look through that passage of scripture, what Jesus was asking me and what Jesus is asking us is, hey, what do you need to get rid of in your life to help you pursue righteousness, faith, love, and peace with a pure heart? For me, I needed to get rid of my smartphone. You know, it it was for a season, but if it needed to be for life, it's like, hey, it's worth it for the sake of my righteousness. For you, it might be a girlfriend or a boyfriend. It might be that book or that TV show I don't know what it is, but think to yourself, what do I need to get rid of my life right and get rid of that's in my life right now so I can experience all that Christ wants for me? And the other passage of scripture that was so key um, is Proverbs 28:13. And it says, Whoever conceals his sin will not prosper, but he who confesses it and renounces it will obtain mercy. And I know for me, one of the reasons I wasn't experiencing healing, even though I was a believer during those 20 years of my addiction. Um, is I was trying to conceal my sin. I was trying to hide it from other people. But it's through the confession and renouncing of it that we're able to experience the mercy of God. And so a question that I have for you tonight is like, hey, what is it that you're concealing that you need to take that faithful next step of confessing to a trusted group of believers um, so you can experience healing? Region family, like I want you to know that no matter what you're walking in here with, change is possible. Restoration is possible and God wants you to experience it. And I've personally experienced it in my own life and there's a number of leaders um, in this room and a number of people in this room who have experienced it and are continuing to experience it. And one of my favorite parts about Monday nights is when we get to hear stories of how people who've experienced that change. And so I'd love for y'all to welcome me, Stacy Williams to the stage as she shares her story. Come on up here.